Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And you have your Bibles? Who still has an old-fashioned paper Bible? Fantastic. Who has an electronic one? Excellent. Well, if you don't have either of those, you can look up on the screen and follow with me as we read. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone say they. And to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Amen. Amen, amen. Question, who are they in this portion of Scripture? This is a question that we have to ask ourselves. Who is Luke referring to when he penned these words? He said they were devoted. Who was he talking about? Was he talking about the apostles? Was he talking about the disciples? Was he talking about the leaders of the local church? Or was he talking about a group beyond that? He was talking about a group far beyond just the leadership of the local church. He was talking about the majority of the local congregation. In other words, you are the they in this Scripture. You are they. Luke's observation was there was a collective majority doing these things. It wasn't just the faithful few and the lazy lot sitting there doing nothing. I want to be a church where the, the, there is not just the faithful few serving the lazy lot, but we could turn the 20, 80 percentages around where we could have 80% of the people serving the 20% because the 20% are brand new and they don't fully understand church life or culture. And we see that here in the early church. In other words, the life was in the culture not the structure. The structure, what they did, was a reflection of who they are. In other words, if you're a Christian, no matter what you're doing, it shouldn't change your core values, your core beliefs. I don't do what I do because I'm being paid. I don't do what I do because I'm a pastor. I want to know if I was not on staff, if I was not the pastor of this church, I would be involved in a local church. I would be coming regularly. I would be serving. I would be getting to the prayer meeting. I'd be getting involved in the fast that's coming up. That's what I would do because I'm not paid to do that. That's my act of service. And this is what Luke noticed in the early church. In other words, it's the who before the do. The who before the do. They were devoted. You see, God is ever looking for a certain calibre of people to partner with. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose heart are fully committed to Him. God's looking for those who are fully devoted to Him. His eye roams throughout the earth. He's not seeking out backsliders. He's not seeking out lukewarm. He's seeking out those that are red hot, those that are fully devoted to Him. Bible says in Genesis, he was doing that and he found Noah 
a righteous man. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. He's looking for men and women who are fully devoted to Him. Throughout church history, we see that God remains the same. His purposes remain the same. The only variable is the people. God's heart's always to bring revival. God's plan is always to heal, save and deliver. And every now and then there are people who partner with Him. And we call it an outpouring of God. And that's exactly what it is. But it's also a partnering with God. Because God does not work through a vacuum. He works through human, uh, human beings just like you and I. And today, this morning, His eye is roaming throughout the earth looking for those wholehearted followers of Jesus. See, the early church were a devoted bunch of people. The word devote simply means to give all or a large part of one's time and resource to a person, activity or cause. That's the kind of church we want to be and continue to become. And so this morning, you can do something just a little bit different. Instead of me just preaching and then just making a heap of announcements at the end, Real Sunday, Vision Sunday service, I want to preach and make some announcements as we go along. How does that sound? Awesome. Thanks, Kathy. I didn't realize you were still playing. I like it. I'm happy for you to continue playing if you want. So what did the early church devote themselves to specifically? What were the eternal and the, the, the uh, non-negotiables, the unchanging values that they devoted themselves to, that we would do well to devote ourselves to today? The first thing we see in the Scriptures is that the early church devoted themselves to worship. They devoted themselves to worship. They gathered together in prayer, in study of the Word of God, to sing songs of praise and adoration to our incredible God. One of the great reformers of old said, the sole purpose of man is to worship God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the sole purpose that God has for us, is to worship Him and to enjoy Him. Not endure Him, but to enjoy Him for all time and eternity. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and He went off to a solitary place where He prayed. The result was that when Jesus returned, he returned empowered and enlightened. In other words, time with God liberated Jesus from needing people as a crutch. Time with the Father liberated Jesus from needing people as a crutch. See, I think there's a lot of relationships today under strain because we don't go to God, we go to people. And we put a pressure on our relationships to be what only God can be in that relationship. Kath and I celebrate 23 years and I thank God that Jesus is at the center. We may still be together if Jesus wasn't at the center, but we wouldn't have the abundance of life and the abundance of joy and the purpose and the meaning, the effectiveness that we've had over the 23 years. It's Jesus at the center. I can't put on my wife what I can only get from God. And so that's why my first conversation in the morning is not with my wife. 
The first thoughts and my first words every morning are not with my wife. They're not with my family because that's not what we do first. My first thoughts, my first time, my first conversation is with the Father. And I want to make sure that I get from Him what I can only get from Him so that I don't try and get that from others. And it keeps me free and it will keep you free just as it kept Jesus free. And He was not intimidated nor dictated to by the people's whims and ways. Can I just say this? There's a difference between isolation and solitude. He said, Jesus went to a solitary place. Solitude is that time with God. Isolation is that time with you. And when you're alone with you, with all your negative thoughts, nothing good can come from that. There's a massive difference between isolation and solitude. Solitude is waiting on the Father. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. Oh, there's so much I want to say. There's so much I want to do. There's so many things I'm feeling and thinking, but speak, Lord. This is a season we're in right now as a church. Isolation is time with yourself. Oh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I don't appreciate me. That's isolation. That's not good for anybody. Anyone ever been guilty of that? I have. It's exhausting. It's tiring. We've got to change our isolation to solitude this year. And so this year, we want to deepen our relationship with God. What's our vision for this year? I, I, want to see us to, I want to see us as a company of people go deeper with God. That doesn't mean I'm looking at a bunch of shallow people, not at all. But I do know this, no matter how deep you are, you can go deeper. You might be ankle deep in the river of God, you can go knee deep. You may be knee deep, you can go waist deep. You may be waist deep, you can go shoulder deep. You may be shoulder deep, you can go over your head deep. We can go deeper. My heart is as a church, that wherever you are right now in your relationship with God, even those that are visiting, even those that wouldn't profess Christ as their Lord and Saviour, hey, you are so welcome here. We built this church with you in mind. And my prayer for you is that you would meet Him and go deeper in your understanding and relationship with Him this year. And so in order to accommodate that, we've changed some things. You may have already noticed that. We haven't done church news for about a month now. Not that church news is of the devil. Not because God rebuked us for doing it. But just, we just want to create some space. Of which we may introduce church news later on down the track. But for now, we're just putting it on hold. We're messing with the run sheet. I'm preaching before we do notices, announcements and all those other things. We're going to do that at the end. So please, church, don't run off. You've got to hang around now to the end. <laughs> got to hang to the end. Turn to the person next to you and say, hang to the end. Because that's when we're going to take up the offering. That's when you're going to hear about the great things that are coming up in the life of the church. So hang around to the end. And again, it wasn't that what we did was wrong. We're just saying, God, we don't know. We don't know. I, I, I sense that we're in a season of silence. Remember when Joshua was commanded to go around the walls of Jericho? For six days he went around. And what did they say? Nothing. There was a season of silence. But it wasn't a silence that put them to sleep. I'm not saying go to sleep. It's not a year of sleep. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're not sleeping this year. <laughs> this is an intentful silence. Obediently walking around the walls of Jericho, waiting. What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is I can't speak. That's all I know right now. That's all I know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. All I know is we can't speak. And it was on the seventh day they shouted, and there was such a clarity of shout that the walls came down. 
This is about a season of silence so that our shout may be clear. And so we felt to have a 21-day fast. We're in our 21st year as a church. And so we're going to have a 21-day fast, which starts tomorrow morning. I know the young ones are just going to stuff their face tonight. Jordan said, we are binging tonight. We're da, da, da. And Cass going to talk more about the fast. So you've got to hang around to the end. She can talk more about it. We've got manuals and devotions, and we can give it to you in hard copy, paper form. We can give it emails if you haven't already got it. Did everyone get, did the majority here get something in the uh, email box, this inbox? Yeah, 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 cool. What I've loved about this, the feedback I've received has all been about what are you doing, not are you going to do it. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for embracing the season we are in as a church. Thank you. And so that's why we've stripped all uh, major announcements out of our Vision Sunday, because I believe God's going to speak. And I believe He's going to confirm. And I believe He's going to do some incredible things. And we've stripped away all the connect groups for the next three weeks so that we can gather together to pray on a Wednesday night from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock. If you don't finish work till 6, then get there at 5 past 6. Get there at quarter past. Just come and be part of this time. If you would normally do something else, hey, for the next three weeks, can we try your best to change what you would normally do? Because this is not something we always do. I'd love to see this many people on a prayer meeting. Imagine that. This many hungry people. That can either lead to a riot or a revival or both. Come on. Because I'm, I'm, I, want to, I want us to be a church that's wholeheartedly devoted in worship. That everything that flows out from what we do this year flow out of this sacred moment of worship. Can I just say, I've got no intention of going back to 1995 and doing the Toronto thing again. No intention. So for some of you, that may make you sad. But that's not what this is about. This is about God's new thing. This is about God doing something He's never done before. And even if it's the same, it's going to be same, same, but different. Have you ever felt that? Like, I've read my Bible this morning, and I've read that scripture before, and it feels the same, but oh, it feels oh so different. That's the kind of year it's going to be. It's going to be a same, same, but different. No, 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 no. It's going to be a same, same, but oh so different kind of year this year. So we're not saying, uh, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. No, no, we're going to stick to those disciplines. And so it's going to feel the same. In actual fact, this year, we, I said to the Lord, how do I approach reading your word this year? And I felt God give me a strategy. I'm going to share it with you because it could be not just for me and my house. It could be for me and this house. But normally I would go through the Bible in a year, which is about four chapters a day. And that's what I've done for many years. I do it different ways and different forms and do it, you know, starting here, starting there. I do it this way chronologically. I do it upside down. I read my Bible upside down. I read it in the Greek and Hebrew, which is a waste of time because I don't understand Greek and Hebrew. But <laughs> I've done it many different ways. But this year I felt God say, I want you to read less, journal more. And I want you to do it with your family. And so with our electronic devices, which are so, such, such a godsend, electronic devices are a gift from God that the devil is trying to destroy. That's basically how I see social media. It's a gift from God that the devil wants to destroy. And so we're all reading the same scriptures and we're all journaling. It's all online. I can see what the kids are writing. And we're growing together as a family. 
And what I've loved is we've discussed it as a family. There are some days we all pick up the same thing, the same thought. It's like, wow, confirmation. There are other times, you know, I say all of us, our, our youngest, we've left her out of this, so there's four of us. And other times, all four get something different. Because God's speaking to us differently. Things are different, uh, are diff- jumping off the page differently. I believe it's going to be that kind of year for us. So the early church, they devoted themselves to worship. What's the time? Secondly, they devoted themselves to leadership. Everyone say leadership. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, the fact that the Scriptures reference leadership in the local church context so often is an indicator to us of God's intent of us to be linked with the local church. If you don't associate following Jesus with being part of a local church, you get rid of half the New Testament. Because half the advice is in the context of a local church. And leaders are really important when it comes to a local church operating and functioning. And the early church understood this. They didn't fight it. They embraced it and they devoted themselves to And the result was that leaders weren't burning out all the time because they didn't need following up. As they devoted themselves, they didn't need all the follow-up that is subsequent to not devoting yourselves to. It always fascinates me that people want to catch up with me and I think, man, I can only tell you what I told you on Sunday for the most part. And I feel tender about this because there are so many pastors around the world today that are burnt out and no longer in ministry. And it was never meant to be that way. Let me give you a statistic in Australia, not America. In Australia, there are over 10,000 pastors that are no longer in ministry today. And much of them are just burnt out. And I don't know about you, that breaks my heart. And that should break your heart. And while leaders are responsible for their own lives, I, I think about, how we can help. I wonder how much of that burnout is because there wasn't that devotion to them in their need and their time. And they didn't get the volunteers on board. Yeah, I'm just going to be a little bit open and transparent and vulnerable with you for a moment, if that's okay. Because the last two years for me have not been easy years. They've probably been the hardest two years of my life. And if I track it back... It's because I recognized where I was at as a leader. I recognized where our leadership team was at. And I recognized where our church was at. And I realized with our present leadership team and with my present limitations, we couldn't take our church any further. That's the bottom line. And so I either camped there and tried to bluff you for the next 20 years that we were going somewhere when I knew subconsciously we were going nowhere. Because we did not have what we needed to go any further. Because everything rises or falls on leadership. And I never forget, I drew a line in the sand. It was a mental image. I drew a line in the sand. And we began to make some changes. I knew it would be costly. I did not know it would be this costly. I knew it would be painful. I did not know it would be this painful. But it has been and it is. I'm not here saying that mistakes haven't been made on my part. Because they have. But with my mistakes, there's also been the way people have responded. And a lot of the responses have been out of immaturity. 
And then there's been those that have capitalized upon the opportunity that was before them and made much of little and little of much. And then there's been others, precious people I love dearly, that have just got caught up in the confusion. And as a leader, you have to process all that and get up in front of people every week and say, this is what the Lord says, and be able to put that to one side. See, devotion to your leadership starts with leaders devoting themselves to the people. And that's what Kath and I have done for the last 20 years to the best of our ability. But knowing that we have limitations, I want you to know, and this is our devotion to you. We have placed ourselves in every season under great leadership. Leadership beyond where we are presently at. Leadership from far more experienced and mature men and women than us and laid ourselves bare. And so from a leadership point of view, from a spiritual point of view, from a church governance point of view, there's an accountability. That's part of our devotion to you. But I'm not just a spiritual being. I'm a physical being. And so part of my devotion to you, whether you understand this or not, is getting to the gym. Because if I didn't get to the gym, I probably would have killed you by now. (laughs) At least some of you. What I love about the gym, I can get in there and and just, ah, the world's normal again. But there's also another area of my life. There's this soul realm, which is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And that needs tending to. Whatever you don't tend, or let me say it this way, whatever you neglect, you will lose. And, And I think about how many pastors there are no longer serving Jesus because they forgot to tend an area of their life. And so if you were to ask me, how are you feeling, Tony? I'm feeling great, and that would not be a lie. Because I feel great. But let me be more specific with you. Spiritually, I feel strong. Words are just jumping off the page. God's speaking to me. I think that's evident by the way I'm sharing today. So I feel strong spiritually. Physically, with a brand new hip, I feel awesome. I feel like, you know, Steve Austin, $6 million man. Your parents will tell you about it later. Um, move over. Tony's in town. $6 million Tony's in town. It's just like... So physically, I feel strong. But if you ask me in the area of my soul, emotionally, I feel tired. Just being honest with you. And I can blame you for that, which I'm not going to do it's not your fault. It's my responsibility. And so my devotion to you is not only to get wisdom and godly counsel for men and women who are more experienced and mature than me. It's not only to get the gym and take care of my physical needs, it's also to take care of my emotional needs. And so I want you to know that I am seeing a professional counselor. Because I love you enough and I do not want to be one of those statistics. And can I just say, if the end of that stage represents burnout... I don't want to go anywhere near it. And can I say to all you who are, you know, married, this is what most often happens. We wait till our marriage is a mess and then we get counseling and usually it's too late. The best time you can get counsel is when you're in a great place. I love the fact that Kath and I have men and women of God 
who are far more mature, experienced, and older than us who stay in our home and live with us for a week. And they get to see us warts and all. And I always get them to critique our marriage. That's my devotion to you. That's my commitment to you. So that I don't blame you. Because it's not your fault. It's how I manage. But I will be honest, leading you hurts at times. It just does. Because I've got feelings. I wish I, I, wish I was a crier. I wish I was like Lisa here. See, my biggest problem is I handle myself well. My wife handles herself well. Our kids handle themselves well. And so the general perception is everything's all right for us. And it is. But you need to know why it's all right. It's because we place ourselves on a couch and we get turned upside down and inside out and grilled. And it keeps us sane. It keeps me away from wherever burnout is. And so we have a responsibility to one another. And so whether it's your marriage or whether it's conversations you get involved in in our church moving forward, I want to say, let's just keep the main thing the main thing. Let's make much of much. And let's just keep the main thing, the main thing this year. It would be hypocritical of me to expect you to devote your life to us as a team if you didn't know that we devote ourselves to you and how that looks for us. This is not a rant. This is not something I would do often. But I just feel in God it's time to say it just the way I'm saying it. So if you were to ask me, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Because of Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Because of great men in my life. I thank God that my wife has great women in her life. One of the greatest achievements as a married man is that she is not a typical pastor's wife and that she has great friends and a great smile and she's cute as a button (laughs) and that blue dress looks amazing. (laughs) So I wish I could cry right now. I feel like I'd invoke more sympathy. (laughs) But it's not sympathy I want. I want your heart. I want you to run through a wall with me. I want you to to help us take this city together for Jesus. That's what I want. I don't want us to waste our time with things that don't matter. I don't want us to get sidetracked this year. I want us to keep the main thing the main thing. People are always going to try and sidetrack you. When Nehemiah was trying to build a wall, that's what we're doing. We're just building a kingdom for God building the local church. And the agitators said, come down here. They were on the plane of Ono. And Nehemiah responded by saying, oh no, I'm not coming down there. We're not going to stop building. We're just going to keep getting on with it. We keep getting on with it. And so Kath and I, we feel, our leadership team feels, we need your prayer support. We need your support. We need your understanding. We need your trust as we move forward together because that's what we see in the Scriptures. Having said all that, I want to say a massive thank you to Paul Benithan and Gay who sit on the front row today because they came into our church about 80 months ago, two years ago. And honestly, I think 
I don't know, who, who's been blessed by Paul and Gay? I certainly have. And as much as I know they've been a blessing to you, I really felt God sent them for Kath and I. It's interesting that 23 years ago today, you married us. And here you sit before us 23 years later. So know this, whatever blessing he's been to you, I think the blessing he's been to Kath and I over this last 12, 18 months, I can't even put to words. And so I went to him last year and said, Paul, how can we best serve you and honour you? You're 66 years of age next year, meaning this year. And I said, I want you to dream. I want you to be a little bit selfish in this next season. I want you to do what you've always wanted to do that the local church didn't allow you to do. And he said, oh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and he came to me. And said, basically, because of what's going on in Malaysia and Cambodia and doors that are opening up into Indonesia, he would love to be released from what he's doing here at this church to be able to um, serve God abroad. Now, as a guy who's very attached to Paul, the selfish part of me says, no. But the God part of me says, that sits oh so right. And so... We shaped that and said, look, you know, what I'd love to do is be able to announce that on Vision Sunday. Uh, Paul and Gay have been traveling and they've been on holidays and they he- are here before me today. And I-, I would love to pray them and commission them and bless them yeah. into their next season of their lives. If you're sitting here saying, I'm going to miss them, great. That's the soulish realm, that's the emotional realm. But can I ask that you allow your spirit to rise up and celebrate the kingdom aspect of what is taking place in their life at this time. Let's not just be governed by how we feel. Let's not be governed by our soul. That's what this fast is about, that our spirit might just say, hey, back off. What's going to happen to our spirit during this fast? Our spirit's going to start getting some muscle and our spirit's going to start taking leadership of our lives when our flesh says, I'm hungry, we say, shut up. When I miss him, shut up. We're moving forward. No one's going to miss Paul more than Kath and I, I don't believe because they've been intricately involved in our lives in the last 80 months. I'm grateful for that, but I know it's right. The great thing is, although he won't be based here anymore, I have said, could you preach for us a few times this year? That'd be great. And could you come and do a few midweek meetings and just help and give some of your experience and expertise to some of our younger guys? He said, absolutely. So in two weeks' time, Paul will be preaching here on Sunday night. So um, I suppose that'll be a test of how much we really miss him, whether you're here or not. Um, It'll unashamed. That's the cheekiness in me right there. Um, Just throw it out there. So we want to pray for Paul and Gay. Can we just put our hands together for Paul and Gay? (laughs) Leadership, leadership's a messy thing. It's swapping. It's it's organic. It's not as organized as we'd like it to be. The other great news I have for you when it comes to our leadership team is an incredible addition. And this is not going to come a surprise to anyone. I don't think, and if you are, it's probably because it's your first time here, <laughs> of which you'd be well and truly excused. But Chris and Lisa are going to join us on staff. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the journey over the last few years, has, it hasn't been clear, but it's becoming clear. God's doing some great things, church. 
I need to celebrate these uh, release and appointments. And we want to get them up on stage in just a moment and pray for both of them. What else did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to fellowship. In other words, there was a deep sense of community. And the emphasis this year is going to be connect groups. We're going, to, we're, going to get, we're going to strip a lot of ministries away. We're not going to do men's ministry this year. We're not going to do women's ministry. Not because they weren't working, not because they weren't good, not because they weren't godly, but just to create some space to get the main thing, the main thing. I, I would love to see, more than you involved in a men's group or a women's group, I would love to see you plugged into a, a connect group. As this gets larger, we need to keep things smaller. Because not every need can be met in this context. And so I'm encouraging you to get involved in a connect group. This, or starting next week, I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with 10 uh, couples to train them up, to release them into uh, becoming connect group leaders. And I, I believe we can have a, a, at least another 20 connect groups added to our team this year. And I say that conservatively. I believe that because that's what we need. And I want to encourage you, church, to go deeper with our fellowship. It doesn't mean we're shallow. It just means we need to go deeper. This church cannot be what you need it to be for you if you just come on a Sunday. It just can't. It just can't. So I want you to work with us and be involved this year in a connect group that we may deepen our sense of community. While we're cancelling our women's ministry, we are having one women's conference in October and Marie Diong has already committed to that. So that's going to be a great time. Looking forward to that. They also devoted themselves to discipleship. Not just fellowship, but also discipleship. In other words, fellowship must lead into discipleship. Saw a great quote the other day. It says, discipleship is being more concerned about you as a person than they are about their popularity with you. See, again, it's not either or. It's not like we want disciples at expensive friends. It's not like I want a bunch of disciples that all hate each other. That's not what I'm saying. Everything starts with friendship. Jesus became a friend of sinners, but he didn't just stay there. That friendship led to time with Jesus, and that time with Jesus led to discipleship. And, and that didn't always mean that the disciples liked what Jesus said. Most of the time, they didn't even get what Jesus said. Most of the time, they were walking around in a fog and saying, what's Jesus on about? Just, <laughs> just see that in the Scriptures. As he took them from fellowship to discipleship. And we want to see that go to another level this year. And in order to do that, we're changing our language. We no longer have pastoral care in our church. There's no pastoral care department in our church. It's too much pressure on our leaders because we have an expectation of pastor. And once you're a pastor, you've got to become all things to all men. And that's not how it works. And so we've created a people care pathway this year. And this is how it's going to look. And it's going to take time to catch. I get that. It's going to take time to break habits. We want to work with you on that. But this is where we're heading. Five things. We're going to have a pastoral care component which will take place in connect groups. Because most people interpret pastoral care as they just want someone to spend time with and have a listening ear. We can't afford to bog down our pastors for those reasons. Not the ones that are being paid on staff. I'm not saying you don't need that. I'm saying you've got to find it in the right place. In the right place, the pathway is connect groups. Got it? Secondly, pastoral counsel, where you'll receive biblical counsel from a pastor. So I've got an issue, and the Bible will be open, and we'll be saying the Bible says, go to your brother 
Don't gossip. Go straight to them. When you leave here today, make a phone call, make an appointment to see them, and have it out with them and no one else. That's what you're going to get from us. And you need that too. Prayer, prayer support. Again, connect groups is a massive place that's going to take place this year. But we also have prayer teams. You can submit your prayer requests and you'll get prayer from pastors and prayer teams, people that are devoted, people that have a passion for prayer, coupled with what takes place at connect groups. See, we don't want anyone to miss out. We've just got to have the right pathway. Otherwise, you're going to put too much pressure on the wrong people. Four, practical helps. Mowing lawns. Meals being delivered. That happens through connect groups. When someone's had a baby. I love the fact that there's so many meals that are being distributed to those in need, be it in the church and outside of the church. But I, I can't afford to have our pastors tied up running around because we've got a pathway. This, this is how we're, you've got to understand, I need you to grow with us as a church. This is us loving you. This, this, this pathway is our love to you so that nothing gets lost and no one gets burnt out. Got it? And the last one is simply this professional help. I'm not a psychologist, and I, and I don't feel bad about that. But we try and make pastors psychologists. And I want to protect our pastors. I want to protect our connect group leaders. Because our pastors and connect group leaders are not psychologists. And when we've done all we can, we want to point you to the right one. Because there's a lot of, of counsellors. I, 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 don't, I don't like most counsellors. I think most counsellors get into counselling because they're trying to sort their own life out. And then every now and then there's a godly one. And we've got a couple of good godly ones we'd love to help you find. You'll have to finance that, but it's our way of helping you. Because we, we, we can't help you anymore, but we can help you by pointing you in the right direction. Let me explain it this way. When I had my hip done, I went to a GP. A GP stands for General Practitioner. And so he said, uh, is it sore? I said, yeah. He says, when I do that, is it sore? He says, cool. Um, I don't know. But I do know a specialist who can help you. He loved me by telling me he couldn't do it. Imagine if he says, oh, I'll have a shot at that. <laughs> We've got pastors who are saying, oh, oh, gee, sounds like, um, it's like that advert. Remember the Great Wall of China? And the kid goes to dad, hey, dad, what was the Great Wall of China built for? And he said, oh, geez, um, well, I think it was to keep the rabbits out. We've got pastors doing that because they feel the pressure to have to be all things to all men. And it's got to stop. Has to stop. My kids know. I'm just going to say, if I don't know something, I don't know. Ask your mother. Seriously, that's my favourite line. Our kids go from mum to dad all the time. It's great. Seriously, we've just got to be comfortable with our sweet spot. I'm not a psychologist. I've got great wisdom, I do. God, God has blessed me with, with, with incredible spirit of discernment, I believe. But I'm still not a psychologist. I'll be able to help you so far and together. But psychologists aren't leading churches either. That's the way it should be. So I believe with this people care pathway, every need will get met. And no one has to get burned out. The question is, are we willing to embrace the new things? See, when I said about we need to change the church, some of us may say, yeah, we need to. Yeah, we do. But that means you changing too. It means we all have to change. It's not just our golden calves, it's our golden calves. 
And we're all in this together as we move forward in Jesus' name. Are you with me on all of this? And my last point, because I... They devoted themselves to stewardship. They gave monies, they gave their time. And there's, a, there's two things I want to see really increased in this church this year. Our volunteerism and our generosity, financial stewardship. There's a lot of people in here who have been around for many years and have poured much into this church. Much money, much time, much effort, much energy. And to you, I would say, keep doing it. Thank you. Keep doing it. Don't give up. The walls were painted by you. The wiring and all those wonderful things. Many of you here can say, my fingerprints on that. My blood's on that. <laughs> bit of my skin's on that. Because that's the reality. But there's a whole number of people. There's at least 20% more people than last year that weren't part of that. And I'm saying, can you not... Can you partner with us and get involved this year? I know some of you have come and, and you've made, needed a season of rest and we've given you that rest. And some of you are still in that season, that's fine. But, and we'll allow for that. But even Jesus got knocked down, but he got up again. Remember, he got up again. You can't stay in church for the rest of your life not getting up again. I'm not putting a time limit on that, but, but I know some of you are ready now to get involved. And I don't want our precious volunteers that have served diligently for years to be burnt out or worn out because these wonderful new people that are coming refuse to get involved. So if you're not on roster, if you're not in an area, I'm just saying, just be willing this year to have someone come up to you and ask something of you. We'll try and get your God's shape. We're going to try, we don't want to, if you hate kids, we don't want to put you in kids. That's not going to help you or us. But we're also asking, too, that we'd, we'd be diligent in setting aside a portion of our income. It's not that God wants our 10%. It's the fact that we get to keep 90%. That's the incredible thing. And we need our finances to increase based upon where we're heading as a church. We need our volunteerism to increase based upon our future. See, it's really tough leading a church because there's this gratitude and yet there's this expectation because of where we're going. And I live in this tension of gratitude, but we need... That's, that's the tension. That's why I need you to pray for me, because of my mental case. That's why. <laughs> See, I wish I could... Waterworks now. It's not working. Someone once said, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Remember that? But they added this. Commitment is spelt M-O-N-E-Y. God doesn't want your heart this year, just your heart. I think he wants your wallets. He wants your hands. I'm just being honest. This is too good not to invest in. It's too good not to invest in. It's too good not to invest in. Kath and I have given faithfully for years. We don't just give a tithe. Our offering matches our tithe every week. And then we give to our building fund and different needs. Seriously. We are leading the way, church, and I want you to do likewise as we move forward. Otherwise, our Vision Sunday just becomes Hype Sunday. Here's the end result. We need the band to come up. Here's the end result. The Lord added to the number daily. 
See, can I just say this? Growth is not the goal. Health is our goal. Because healthy things grow. And we want to be a healthy church that grows. But can I also say this? As my good friend Moggy pointed out yesterday as we were discussing this, unhealthy things also grow. Cancerous cells grow and mutate. So growth is not the goal because you can have something growing and it be unhealthy. But I do believe healthy things grow. And so our aim this year is to have a healthy church. And on this foundation of dynamic teaching, creative worship, a very, very, very deep sense of community. I know it's not up there, but I just added that. Effective evangelism and joyful service. I believe over the next five years, by 2020, we can have, have another five services added to our church. Whether that's services here on a Sunday in this building, whether that's campuses down the road, whether it's campuses interstate or overseas, I believe it's very realistic. No hype, no sense of rah-rah. Just, I just believe it's very realistic for us as a church to add another five services to this church over the next five years with dynamic teaching, a creative worship, a very, 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 very deep sense of community, effective evangelism, and joyful service. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.